back to the Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Kyle Brown. Water restrictions are just a reality for superintendents in California, especially now that statewide contingency plans are being put into effect. In a lot of cases, the restrictions have been visible from a long way off. Take Brian's course, for example. Brian Sullivan from Bel Air Country Club in Los Angeles, California. Over at Bel Air Country Club, they've been taking steps to cut back on water usage for more than 20 years. It was pretty obvious 30 years ago that water would be a significant issue for the future. They transitioned over to a drought-tolerant Bermuda and installed a well that can cover about half their water footprint. They've reduced turf and roughs, and most of the slopes throughout the course are covered in native plants and trees. We're literally trying to leave no stone unturned. I'm fortunate that I have a club of members that play at a, a lot of different golf courses, and some of them are very educated as to the environmental component of managing a golf course basically in a desert. Making grass grow in that kind of climate isn't easy, and being responsible about water usage is about as difficult. But a few years ago, the drought hit. Things took a turn for the worst. Even with all that work done at Bel Air to help with water conservation, the city said, that's great, but that's just not good enough. Four or five years ago, due to the drought here in California, the city of Los Angeles mandated, or were about to mandate, that golf courses could only irrigate two nights a week. It was a very unscientific attempt at water reduction. Tell a golf course superintendent he can only water twice each week and suffer drought conditions the rest of the time. And he'll likely be feeling the same way Brian was. Terrified. So we know how this story goes from here. What else can they do except learn how to run a course under those conditions? Except that's not what happened. Before the city meeting where this restriction would be discussed, Superintendents connected with the USGA and SCGA and got the word out to other courses that golf needed to be represented. Some of the superintendents that had served on local boards and state committees, but others were just there to be heard. Rather than mandate an unworkable situation that would devastate our golf courses, you know, we asked them what they were looking for. And, of course, they were looking for conservation. And we asked them, well, scientifically, how do we measure this conservation? Quite frankly, they didn't know. We proposed a scientific method before their legislation became law. We had the opportunity to kind of educate the other side. You know, once we agreed on a, a scientific model that politically and scientifically would work, you know, once we agreed upon that, we, we realized we weren't really all that far apart. Using a few models, including one from California Polytechnic State University, they came back with some plausible ways the courses could make the cuts and still keep their green. It involves some smart measurements and attention to weather and evapotranspiration rates, as well as the art of just being efficient when watering. The art side is applying the water in an efficient manner. You're not applying midday. You're applying when you'd have the least amount of evapotranspiration. You're very conscious of distribution uniformity of sprinkler heads, and you can achieve greater uniformity by having the right heads or the right nozzles or the right spacing or irrigating you know, at the right time of the day or night and factoring everything from wind to a myriad of other factors that might influence an even application of water. 
Based on those programs, they went to the city and presented the plan, scaling back overall water usage for the 35 courses by 15%. The city told them to make it 20%, and they had a deal. They had neatly gotten around having to stare down two days a week of irrigation with some smart water usage and actual data. But that's not the most important part here. Brian and the rest of the superintendents were able to find a middle ground with the city because they came armed with facts, sure, but they also came ready to talk. Listen to the way he talks about the people pushing for conservation in the water district. Several of us had communication with these individuals years ahead of time. So we, we kind of knew who the other side was. There's a core of pretty professional folks that work for the water department. It wasn't like we were picking up the phone for the first time and, and calling someone at the, at the water department. We, are, we, we had somewhat of a relationship with these individuals. When we met with them, you know, we weren't ready to box. You know, we were, we were open to educating what both sides needed. And we were looking for something that would, that would work, that would work politically from a water department. It's more than just building a relationship with the people responsible for those rules, though that's a big part of it. These courses are interested in giving those feeling pressure about water conservation a way out, both scientifically and politically. They're showing up with a response that reminds people outside the golf industry that we're not the bad guys. It's very easy for the newspaper and if people driving by a golf course to think that you're wasting water. But when you really communicate the fact that literally half the golf courses, the county golf courses, the city golf courses, are already using reclaimed water, and by the time you educate people that in California less than 1% of the water in the state is used by all the golf courses, yet golf is an $11 billion economic impact to the state, the folks in the city knew some of those issues. So long as we were achieving and exceeding the protocol of conservation, they, they were satisfied that at this stage of the game and at this stage of this drought cycle, that we were doing what we needed to do to uh, run our businesses, so to speak, and succeed yet we're succeeding while conserving, you know, a very precious resource. It's not that we're not on their, their radar. We're on the radar. We're just not the target. They know very well that water is a precious resource and it's a commodity that we have to pay for. And as a result, professional turf managers find a way to uh, use that resource as efficiently as possible. Leaders in the city have recognized that and they, they understand that it's not necessarily the golf courses, but the homeowner that is um, the person that they need to target if they're going to achieve greater conservation success in, in the city of Los Angeles. Being proactive about starting the discussion on water shows how superintendents are being responsible with the resource, especially when the course is part of a community. In fact, Brian sees the future of golf as a chance for collaboration with the golf course acting as a water purifier for the surrounding community. Water as a resource is only going to become more closely watched, but potentially rash restrictions might be dealt with the same way these courses did, through education and collaboration. I don't see any reason why a community couldn't use water and then dispose of that water on a golf course to purify it. Where I'm going is in Orange County, not so many years ago, 80% of the water that was reclaimed, was pumped out to the ocean. I don't see any reason why that water 
that from a policy standpoint that that water shouldn't be utilized for the betterment of the community on golf courses. Many golf courses wind up paying 90% of the price of domestic water for reclaimed water. Reclaimed water has its associated problems. If we're actually reclaiming water and, and putting it into a storm drain or sewer or ocean, I think if there was more of an incentive, even purposely changing soil types or, or drainage patterns on golf courses, where from a community you'd have a zero footprint. I think some of the leaders in golf, if we educate the other side what a filter the golf course could be, if economically we look at it for the community at large and realize what a resource the golf courses are, I'd like to see, I hope to see some of that movement in the future. Maybe if we continue to succeed, you know, maybe that's where the, the message ought to get out that we need to communicate with each other for the betterment of all of us. You've been listening to the Superintendent Radio Network, the podcast of Golf Course Industry Magazine, a production of GIE Media. I've been your host, Kyle Brown. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes or the SRN page of golfcourseindustry.com. Talk to us at srn at gie.net or at GCI Magazine on Twitter. Thanks for listening. 